And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Hey, welcome to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. I am your host, Cam Edwards. It is good to be back with you once again. Uh, We've taken a few weeks off. I uh, said that I had a deadline coming up at the end of the month. I'm pleased to tell you that I've met my deadline, and it is good to be back. The The roar of the crowd in the background is uh, Miss E, who is with us. Hi. How have you been, by the way? It's good to see you again. Yeah, I know. It's been a really long time since we've seen each other in the daytime. It has been. There are a lot of uh, 16, 17, 18-hour days there for a few weeks, and uh, I asked Miss E to actually be on the program with us this evening because she's been the one who's actually been doing stuff around the farm uh, over the last couple of weeks. My daughter is uh, arriving here, and we're actually broadcasting, well, not broadcasting, but we are uh, taping the podcast this evening outside, so you may hear a goat in the background. You may hear a child or two walking around. You may hear a dog barking in the distance or some uh, some birds. I suppose there's even an off chance you might hear a cow or two, although they're in the uh, pasture uh, on the other side of the house, so maybe not. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 been a busy few weeks, but I'm I'm glad that and you've been busy too. Yes, I have been busy keeping down the farm. Thank goodness school is over though, because <laughs> trying to run school, run the farm, and work my full time job during the day is rather a lot of work. So yeah, well, I'm glad that uh, that the school is out for at least a few weeks anyway, right? Yes, the school schedule is changing this year. They voted last year to change it so that they're going to be starting earlier, about two, three weeks earlier, actually. This is going to be the first time ever that our middle son will be able to celebrate his birthday during the school year. See, i got to say, I'm, I'm pleased that that's going to happen. Because it never happened it to never you. never happened with me. Right. My birthday's early August. I was always, and you'd always have, well, I wouldn't say always, the most that you'd ever get was the end-of-the-year party for all of the poor kids whose birthdays were going to be held over the summer. And maybe you'd get a day in the last week or two of school where all of the birthdays would be celebrated. You never got your birthday. And most of the time, that didn't even happen. I mean, every now and then you get a teacher who'd be nice enough to throw a party for everybody. But, yeah, didn't usually. Yeah, the only one we have who has a summer birthday is the middle son. And... At the last elementary school that we went to, I remember during the last week that he would get a card from the principal because his birthday was in the summer and he they wouldn't be able to celebrate it. Yeah. I never got a card from the principal. That's that's kind of nice. I well, guess. that was just what the school did. Every kid got a card from the principal on their birthday. Well, so school's out, but you've been going to school. So one of the things that we'll talk about uh, on this episode is your butchering class. Yes, that was dirty. and a little emotional and educational and in the end uh yummy so there we go it was a uh yeah and and the garden uh looks fantastic the the weeds that's uh, a lie i was gonna say that's a lie the weed crop this year is absolutely phenomenal but i am actually pleased to say that i am i am just about as in the running with a lot of other people because they're having the same problem though well here's the here's the issue a i haven't been around and one of my jobs is to maintain the lawn and to help with the weeding yep uh, and I just haven't been around. So but I've the, had to mow. Yeah. And I can't weed when I mow. But the other problem is, even if I had been around, just the way that our weather patterns have been this summer, 
is that we've been getting it, it's it reminds me a lot of uh the houston area where every afternoon you get a shower uh sometimes it's a drenching shower for you know an hour or two sometimes it's just a glancing shower but most of the time the grass is way too wet to mow in the morning so the afternoon is the only time that you can mow, and that's when we're getting the thunderstorms. And so there haven't there hasn't been an opportunity to mow the yard and to clear out the weeds. No, and it's hard for me to weed because I work nine to five, and right. I pretty much have to be inside in front of my laptop all day long. And so the time I can get outside is after five. And there were a couple of days uh, in May that I would go outside at five o'clock, and I could last maybe an hour and a half because it was. 98 degrees with the relative hu- of a humidity of 100%. And I would just be drenched and exhausted because it's so hot and humid. Yeah. And yeah. If- it's, it's actually lovely this evening. I, yes. I do have to say it's a beautiful night. It's probably... It's a little sticky. Uh, it, it, you know, if it were like five degrees cooler, it'd be perfect. It's a little close to 80 right now, but it's not as bad as it has been. No. Uh, the humidity is not nearly that bad. I don't think there's any thunderstorms called for, although we're supposed to. We're getting back into that weather pattern where we're going to have 50% chance of thunderstorms every like every time. day, yep. including Independence Day. <clears throat> uh, and that kind of stinks, but we're going to. We're not going to the minor league baseball game. I was hoping that we would go to the minor league baseball game, but I was outvoted by that. So we're going to. Uh, it was mentally rained out by everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> mentally and emotionally rained out. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna just stick around the house. We're going to uh, have getting, some fireworks. We're getting fireworks. Oh yeah, yep. The Virginia legal kind. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, That's but all we, we will get. have fireworks, and we'll probably cook out. So it's going to be a great Independence Day, I think. Uh, in fact, we might talk a little bit about Independence Day. Uh, on the episode this evening, given that our house, at least the first two rooms of it, uh, kind of came up, they were built around the same time that this nation was formed. Uh, we're not quite sure, somewhere between 1776 and 1781. Yeah. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, when we come back after a quick timeout, actually, I'm not quite ready to take a timeout yet, because I want to talk about the, uh, the, the book. A little bit, and the uh, the process of uh, uh, what we've been doing over the past few weeks. It's been a uh, it, it's been a learning process, and I do want to just take a minute to say, uh, in front of everybody here, <laughs> you and me and the goats, <laughs> you, me, the goats, the audience. Okay, thank you, really, thank you for for everything that you did uh, over the last few months as you know this i never written a book before i didn't know what is involved in writing a book before i now know and i now know never to do it in the springtime when we're (laughs) we're trying to plant and we've got all the prep work that we're doing i now understand this is probably a fall winter project i think so yeah i think the next book should probably take place in the winter when it's not so terribly busy outside and i'm not yeah that was not Really good planning. But thank you. You're welcome. Hey, you know, look, here's the thing. It wasn't planning. No, 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 There's it wasn't. no planning no, about it was, it. it was deadline. It was like when we ended up having the twins <laughs> and two weeks after they were born, the NRA annual meeting was in Houston, Texas, and I had to go. Yeah. Right? Like, that wasn't poor planning on anybody's part. That was just, just one of those how it things. happened. No, I know. You know? Thank goodness for Barbara. Or your friend Barbara, who came out to uh, to, to take care help. of to yeah. help for for she came all the way from Oklahoma and she was pregnant with her second at the time. Yep. And she but she came all the way out to help me take care of them because it was overwhelming. One baby is one thing, but two babies with no, it's just it was crazy. What was worse, me leaving for uh, for work for the interannual meeting with infants, twin infants, 
or me being gone like the last month working on the book? Probably the last month because <laughs> I'm busier than I was with Twin Infants because at the time I wasn't working and I didn't try to run a farm. It was just, and I had older children to help and Barbara was there. Right. So, you now it's definitely the past month and two. So, well, again, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like we should coin the word uh, twin fence, by the way, for a twin, twin infants. Twin infants. Twin infants. Now, see, because then remember when we kept seeing, we kept reading all that literature about having twins and uh, the and the verb, and you didn't the like the word, right? You didn't like that word for the single child. Yes, singletons. Yes. That's, that's just stupid. But here's word, the thing: blah, blah, if blah. the parents of twins are going to call single children singletons, then they need to call their twin babies twin fence. I'm not calling any of mine singletons. I have five kids. Two of them happen to have been born on the same day. Yeah. They are not alike in any way, shape, or form. So people don't even think they're twins. I I have a hard time believing they're twins, except for when I have to buy two birthday presents on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been fun, actually, watching all five of our kids grow up and turn into their own individuals. You know, they're definitely their own people. Yeah. Can you believe that our... Marriage is going to be old enough to vote in August. <laughs> Does that mean our anniversary party is going to feature underage drinking? Since our anniversary, since our, since oh our yeah, eighteen years. That's right. Are, are, we, are we allowed to serve alcohol at our party in, until if, we've been married for twenty-one years? No, I don't know. Yeah, well, I think the given is: is have you been married long enough for your marriage to be legal? Then you're certainly old enough to drink alcohol. <laughs> All right, listen, we're going to take a, a quick timeout. Missy is going to be with us for at least one more segment here on 40 Acres and a Fool. So stick around. We'll be right back with 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Not religious Muslims, right? They can dress women as beekeepers. They can not bake cakes for gays. They can say gays are going into the hellfire. Religious Muslims can say whatever they want because they're necessary for the left because of the ethnic politics and the uh, race discussions that go on, as well as as a cudgel against Judeo-Christian culture, Western civilization, and all the rest of it. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool. I'm your host, Cam Edwards, and the lovely and talented and oh-so-hardworking Miss E is uh, with us. So tell me about the butchering class here, because our friend Valerie uh, put this together, right? Well, Sharon hired Valerie to butcher two of her hogs and a sheep. And so they both put it into their heads that it would make a good idea because people have been asking Valerie to do a workshop if Valerie would go ahead and have a workshop. So they opened it up to people and it was 11 to – I was one of the last people to leave and that was like 5.30. a hot day, not a good day. But I anyway. was going to say, yeah. Typically, you know, we I, we've talked on the program before about doing our hogs in the winter. Yes, this was this was again. This was almost a hundred degrees. Yes, all day outside, and we were under uh, uh, canopy, um, and everything went quickly. And you, we went through hundreds of pounds of ice, like buckets of okay. ice everywhere. Like everything, once it was big, it was put down in ice, salted ice water. Okay. So, it, and I had a big cooler for my my uh, my victim, my 
my piece of practice. I don't know what I want to call it. Uh, but so, so it's a butchering workshop, right? And I've already butchered a hog. I didn't kill the hog, but I helped to butcher an eight to 900 pound hog back in March. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was Valerie and Sharon again. Um, and so I wanted to go and do this, but I, I sent a message to Sharon asking if I could bring my own thing to learn to butcher. And she said, yeah, sure. No worries. And so I brought one of our crazy, not very well-trained dairy goats. And it's my fault that they're crazy and not very well-trained. There are two fields of thought as far as raising babies when you have goats. And one of them is to call to dam-raise them, which means the mother raises the babies, and they stay with the mother until they're finished nursing, and that's all honky-dory, right? Okay. The other is bottle-raising, which means you pull them at about two weeks, maybe one, and you bottle raise them until they're eight weeks old. It's more work, but they're friendlier. They're more people friendly because they're used to people. Mm-hmm. Well, I screwed up last year and I left Franny's two twin daughters with her to be damn raised and they're wild as all craziness because they're not used to people. Right, yeah. And then one of her daughters went ahead and had babies this year and you saw one night when I was trying to walk her on a lead, she throws herself all over the place. She, mm-hmm. I could not get her to stand on the milk stand. It was a week. We tried for several weeks and it was crazy. And then I had to chase her to catch her to milk her. And then I thought, no, not milking this one anymore. And then she was the first thought when I wanted to do a butchering class that, well, now we have too many goats. Wild goats are not good dairy goats. So I have two more practice Two more to do because okay. we got to get rid of the wild goats. We're totally tearing, paring down the goat thing because we ended up with so much milk we didn't need. Right. Um, and, and then we had like, okay, so cheese, milk, yogurt, blah, blah, blah. It was going crazy. But then I'll go back to the cheese. But so I brought a goat with me. <laughs> Put her in the put her in poor bullet was so confused because I took his crate out of the house to take the goat to the butchering workshop where she waited in the shade with some water and whatever. So the workshop started off with chickens. And there was a neighbor farmer who donated about four or five chickens, and everybody who wanted to do it learned to butcher a chicken. The funniest part of somebody butchering a chicken mm-hmm. is there is a group on Facebook called the Pet Keep Pet Chicken Keepers of Virginia. Yeah. And these people are serious about their chickens being pets. Okay. This woman is on that Pet Chicken Keepers, and I have pictures of her plucking a chicken after she tried to twist and kill it by breaking its neck by twisting it. Yeah. She did that part, and then she... So I was like, I managed wow. to get pictures. So we... Yeah, her friends posted them on that page. <laughs> I just I just shared them on Facebook with the people that I knew on Facebook, and they made sure that everybody else on that page saw it. So I'm not too sure how her life ended up, but... Uh, so we they learned how to butcher chickens, and it was the whole kill, bleed, pluck, chill. Um, gut, chill. So all the steps... And so by the time everybody finished the four, five, or six chickens that were processed, it was hot. Yeah. And it was, we started at 11, so everyone took a lunch break, but not me, because I brought my own goat. Okay. And I was so afraid. I mean, I've raised her since she was a baby. Right. Um, I was so afraid that if I ate lunch and then tried to do my goat, I would You'd embarrass myself and I would lose my lunch. So uh, I said, hey, Valerie. I'm, I'm going to go get my goat. Can we go ahead and do this while everybody's having lunch? And she was like, yeah, let's go ahead. We'll, we'll get it done. And um, I have to admit that I did not actually kill the goat. And after talking with Valerie, it was, it was nice to know that she has her husband to do that. Like, that's his job. Every time she has to process animals, she brings Greg. His job is to 
kill the animal, and sharpen her knives. Okay. And that's what he did. Seriously. And even when she has others, like when he Greg's not around, mm-hmm. she's had friends. She'll shoot. She'll kill their friends' animals, and the friends will kill her animals. Because well, it's emotional. I, cr- I cried. Well, I, think I said thank a, you, but I cried. It was hard. We talked about this where, you know, most people most people don't have any connection to their to the meat that they eat other than, you know, going to the store and picking out meat from the uh, from the, the butcher case. But, you know, hunters, they harvest their meat uh, and they eat their food. Farmers uh, may grow their food and, uh, you know, may, may even have the whole circle of life. But usually there's like one, not many people actually grow their food, uh, process their food and eat their food. You no. know what I mean? Like that that's actually fairly rare. And I think it's probably common. I remember the first book before we even moved to the farm. I read a book about a guy who uh, has a small farm in Washington State. It's on an island uh, off the coast of Seattle. Where that's Seattle the goat is. one, right? No, 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 never no, mind. No, it was a pig one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, but wrong book. And yeah, I can't remember the name of the book right yeah, now. Yeah, me but, either, but I read that too. But every year he uh, butchers a hog and he described this process and how what an emotional process it is to have taken this you know when we talk about the bacon seeds uh but it is an emotional process to take an animal that you've raised and you've cared for because we do care for these animals we want them to have the best life best life possible uh and then to you know actually take that animal and and turn it into food um it's i'll tell you what it 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 has not made me become a vegetarian no but it has made me become, I think, much more mindful of the food that I eat. And that's not to say that we don't eat fast food. No, we do. We do. But I'm, I, you know, even at even at a fast food restaurant now, I'm mindful of where that meat came from. I'm mindful of the fact that at one point it was a pig. Yeah. It yeah. was a cow, uh, and that in turn makes me mindful of well, what type of life did that cow or pig or chicken have yeah uh it is again it's not turned me into a, a vegan or a vegetarian or or even a uh, an animal rights activist but it has made me more cognizant of the responsibility that i have to the animals under my care oh yeah and that our animals are spoiled seriously i've been to other people's spreads mm-hmm. our hogs are living high <laughs> they they have I'd say that's about an acre of space between the seven of them. Yeah. That's a huge amount of area, and that's their second area that they've been moved in. Oh, yeah, we move them around. When Our, they... Yeah, we have the electronet so we can move them. The goats, again, they're living high. I've seen people who put that number of goats in way smaller areas and pens. So it's nice that our, our animals are getting such a nice, happy lifestyle. And like you said, now you know where the meats come from. So we did the workshop on Saturday and on uh, Sunday, when you went off again to work on the book in your office uh, place all day long, I took the goat and broke it down into chunks, except for the two little rib racks that I'm, I think I'm going to try to grill as little mini riblets and see how they turn out. And I made gyros. Yeah. Yeah, gyro yeah. meat. Oh, <laughs> and I made homemade pitas. My friend brought me cucumbers. I made homemade tzatziki. The only thing I had to buy was the feta cheese because by then I had stopped milking the goats because we had too much milk and cheese stuff going on that I was just like, forget about it. Now, here's here's where, again, I just have to interject and rave for a second because I'll be honest with you. I was a little unsure how the uh, gyro meat was going to go. First time out, you're with a great goat. cook. 
Yeah. But it's goat. It's you know, I was just I was I goat's was like un- venison. I was unsure. Yeah. It was amazing. I was really Holy moly, it was amazing. I was really happily surprised. But I tell you this. It is Alton Brown's recipe. I thanked him on Facebook. I hope he saw it somehow. Somebody found it. But I've been raving about just go to Food Network and do, or Alton Brown, just Google the gyro meat with tzatziki sauce because I followed his recipe using the How meat. How do you spell tzatziki sauce? T-Z-A-Z-K-I-K-I? Can you just Google Alton Brown gyro meat? Yes, Alton okay. Brown gyro meat. And I, I did the method. I don't have a rotisserie able to do this sort of thing. So I followed the recipe with the meatloaf. Okay. And so you're cooking it like a meatloaf, but then you're pressing it when it comes out under a foil wrapped brick and that helps to make it look I swear it looked just it I looked mean like it looked gyro like gyro meat. Meat. I mean yeah. it was gyro meat and yeah. it was the seasonings were right I just like I said I just followed his recipe to the T now um, I was started with goat chunks his recipe calls for ground lamb so I had a couple more steps that I had to follow before I could follow his recipe. So if anybody wants to try to make it with their goat or venison actually I think mm. it would work with cuz it's like a lean dark red meat um, if you have chunks, you put it one, you, you season all the chunks with all the seasoning that goes into what he mixes in. You put it through the coarse grind of your food grinder, your meat grinder. And then you do it again through the fine grind. And then you follow his recipe and put it through the food processor to get it even f- more finely ground. Wow. You want more of a pate paste mm-hmm. consistency. Because you really want this in small, tiny... It's a loaf. It's I a mean, loaf. It's, I mean, yeah. you really want it that way. That's why when you're finished baking it, you press. And ours didn't have any fat in it. Hardly. Hmm. All right. Listen, we got to take a time out. We have more to talk about. We have to talk about cheese. Yeah. The gyro was the success story. Oh, awesome. Success. But you I say the cheese was a fail. Big slap my head fail. All right. Stick around. We've got more 40 Acres in a Fool with Miss E and Mr. Cam, right here, courtesy of the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. The ultimate goal here is an agenda. It, it is Marxist. It is Leninist. It is anarchist. It is nihilist. It is anti-Christian. It is anti-American. It is anti-constitutional. And so few people recognize this until it's almost too late to do anything. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Plays Radio Network. Coming to you before a live audience, it's 40 Acres and a Fool. I'm your host, Cam Edwards. The uh, audience consists largely of four-legged critters and my awesome daughter who is uh, catching fireflies and hanging out with us. Uh, My... uh, Wonderful wife, Miss E, is with us as well this evening. I am a lucky guy. I just realized here I'm hanging out with two incredible redheads this evening on a beautiful, beautiful summer's night. Oh, that reminds me. Yes. Britain is going to have a ginger parade in the year 2016, and we have to figure out a way to get you guys to go. Oh. So you and the youngest 
I think, need to get on board and we need to save some money and get you guys over there for this thing because right. you are the gingeriest of the gingers in the family. <laughs> My mother is too gray now, although she's not really gray. When you're a ginger, you don't go gray, you go blonde. Right. It's kind when of... When you're a ginger, you're... I don't know, like but it does. It's yeah. when you're a ginger, you go blonde. I don't know what it is, but yeah, my mom's turning into a blonde instead huh. of a gray. Huh. I have, however, my grandmother's jeans. Okay, stay with me. Ginger Parade. Ginger Parade UK <laughs> 2016. All right. Is there a website where we can find more information? I think if you just Googled all that, you'd find it. <laughs> what do you think, darling? Would you like to go to a? Uh, would you like to go to England for a ginger parade? Indeed. Indeed, says my daughter, who is a, a fan of all things British. Uh, next time Charles C.W. Cook comes to visit, I asked my, uh, I told my daughter, I said, maybe you could just ask him to talk. Just talk. I like listening to Charles talk. Everybody likes listening to Charles C.W. Cook He's so talk. posh. Blah, blah, blah. He By can, the way, do you know He could read that, the ingredients. Well, you know, we were talking about uh, the book that Jim Garrity and I have written earlier. But yes. Charles did the audio book for the Conservatarian Manifesto. Six hours and ten minutes of Charles Cook. Uh, reading his book, so I haven't got some, a chance to read his book because you stole it back. I did steal it back. You're right; it's back in the office, but I'll bring it home. Thank you. Uh, or you can just get the audio uh, book and you can listen to it uh, as you're as you're making road trips back and forth. Because you know, it takes you a while to get anywhere around here. It so. does. I could actually do that. Charles I could keep you company. He could keep you company. I think it was Kenneth Branagh that read a Harry Potter, and it was we we listened to that between. Uh, Oklahoma and New Jersey one year, and I could listen to it because it was Kenneth Branagh. And you're saying Charles Cook's sort of the same thing? He's got that sexy English posh oh, accent. Yeah. look at that. The sexy English posh accent. And he's let's entirely talk about your... too young for me. Let's talk about it. He's married. <laughs> I know so that. You. Oh, no, no. So but there. Somebody can be sexy. Let's talk and about your cheese. I like Sean right. Connery, let's and he's blah, not my blah, age group blah, either, blah. and has this, the this, best voice oh, ever. This, this segment has taken a horribly awkward turn, especially since it's the one where our daughter is sitting down with us. But, hey, let's talk about cheese. Can we? We don't talk enough about cheese in this country. So let's let's talk about cheese because you decided that you wanted to try to make a a Monterey Jack, right? Well, yes. Uh, named after a the the sexy uh, guy named Jack who lived in California. I have no posh, idea. Sexy, I believe his I believe his name was Jack de Beauvoir. I don't even know where you're going with that. I have no <laughs> idea why it's called Monterey Jack. Monterey Jack is sort of like a mild but softish cheddar-y kind of cheese, right? And okay, so. I have been making goat's milk cheeses for two years now because this was the second year we had goats and milk, and I was pretty tame with the chevre. I have very good success with chevre. Mm-hmm. I was making yogurt. I was probably 75% successful when I made mozzarella because cheese, you have to actually pay attention to time, and I'm an indifferently timed cheesemaker to be best <laughs> described. But oh, you've made wonderful mozzarella. I have. I have. I have big successes. Um, so this last time, I thought... I want to make a cheese I like to eat that's an aged cheese. Let me go for it. And so I went to a website to get this really neat, funky, plasticized cheese coating stuff that you use instead of wax. And I made what I thought was going to be a Monterey Jack using goat's milk. And it all like came together good. The curds were right. It pressed good. It kept its shape. It coated it. 
Now, I don't have a designated Chief's Cave refrigeration system. Mm -hmm. And so that's a whole humidity temperature thing that is beyond me. So I just put them in the wrong drawer, I guess, uh, in the refrigerator. I probably should have put them in the deli drawer, but I put them down in the refrigerator section because I wanted to be keeping cold with a little bit of a moisture, but it didn't work. So it was supposed to age for one to four months. Okay. The 28th of June was a month. Cracked it open on the 29th, and it's probably closer to a kind of damp Parmesan without any bite whatsoever. Oh. So it's kind of, it's a disappointment, and the cheese is only going to get drier. And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep it. This morning, I was so excited because I'm starting to get bloody butcher tomatoes, mm-hmm. which are they're like three-chambered, round, plum tomatoes. They're meaty, but they're juicy. You can sleep. They're good at eating, but I've been told they're good for canning. And I think they're going to be good for canning because of their structure. Yeah, anyway. we've talked about them. They were one of our replacement yeah, tomatoes. Yeah. We yeah. got them at the farmer's market at Scottsville from one of the very nice people there selling plants. Right. Um, anyway, so been, I was so excited because one of my favorite omelets is tomatoes, peppers, and cheese. And I had a pepper in the garden. I had a three-inch little Santa Fe Grande, which is a kind of not very hot pepper, Mm -hmm. but it's a little bit of spice. So I chopped that up, and I sautéed that, and I put the eggs on top, and I covered it to get it all puffy, and I grated my cheese over it, Mm -hmm. and I was like, ooh, it's going to get all melty. Put a lid on. Pick it up. (laughs) Ooh, it's not melting. Put a lid down. Pick it up. Seriously, cheese? My eggs are going to burn. So the cheese did not melt. It kept its shape like a Parmesan. So I think to save it, I might turn it into like Parmesan crisps where you just grate giant piles of Parmesan cheese on a baking sheet and you Mm -hmm. cook them and they turn into like potato chips of just cheese. Okay. This might work with that. But Mm. it's okay with crackers. Not bad, not good with melting, but it is so not a Monterey Jack at all. I don't know what it's called. It's It's called a... Miss E's failed hard cheese, whatever. <laughs> heartache. Heart, hard. Miss E's hard heartache. cheese, heartache. Hard cheese, heartache. Yeah. It's, about that? Yeah, hard cheese, heartache. And I have a that whole might other. That be the name of this episode. I have a wheel and a half of it to eat. Thankfully, the wheels are not very large. <laughs> it will not go to waste. It will have somehow be used in things. Yeah. Yes. How are the pigs with dairy? Can they? Can oh, they actually, the yeah, nicest way, right? the nicest thing about having hogs and failed cheese all the time, like I don't know how many broken curd bad things I had, doesn't matter. It's all good to the cheese to, to the hogs. I just put it in one of those big rubber um, feeding t- buckets, and there's just happy slurps for the few minutes because they just suck it down so fast, gallons that. It's a good thing. But yeah, whey is another one that, that they like to eat. Now, what I'll do with whey, though, is I add it to beet pulp and let the beet pulp absorb all the liquid, and mm. then I feed it to them. So it helps to gain some weight, and it's a it's a little bit more of a, a food source, but it uses up the whey, too. Okay. Meanwhile, I think the last time that we uh, had an episode here, we had talked about the tomato plants and the... Uh Something, either the squash or the pumpkins that are, are growing where the hogs oh. used to be, They're, they they are still coming along. We have a lot of blossoms, uh, actually, and what, what I think are, are probably pumpkin vines. You just pointed out they, they got fed both squash and pumpkins, but they got a lot more pumpkin than they did squash well, last fall. Well, you remember I got to go to that farm and fill the entire back of the pickup truck up with pumpkins that we fed them for months because they were massive. Mm-hmm. So... I think all the pumpkins that I threw over the fence 
leads me to believe that those are pumpkin plants and all the tomatoes that we fed to Abigail. Our hog, yeah. Our hog are going to be of the small cherry or saladette size because that's the, th- the size she's liked. Right, yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, so, so we don't have any blossoms on the uh, tomato plants, but we do on the uh, But did you see we also hogs. have the black oil sunflower plants out there too? Oh, yeah, we've got sunflowers that are growing. Because everywhere. that's from the black oil sunflower seeds that we used right. to mix in with the feed too. Yeah. So we have those everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like who knew that, that hogs would be just your own little uh, – seed planters your own little seed starters right well we used them last year when they were younger we had them in the kennel that we dragged around in what is now the garden area (laughs) right yeah i don't think we will ever uh use a kennel to move our pigs around that was a pain in the butt i know we were afraid of the electric fence for the hog we just didn't see how on earth is electricity going to stop these critters but it, it does it well, does we learned our lesson well you learn your lesson though but the problem was is we started them off in a regular fenced area and by the time we learned about electronet they were too big to train but this time around we trained everybody to electronet and pigs have very sensitive snouts when it comes to electricity and it only took a couple of zaps and even that thing right now is probably needs a battery charge but it's still enough to keep them whoa, freaking yeah. out if they touch it by the way you might be hearing the, the he, sound of what appears to be a creepy old man panting in the background that is bullet who is uh the 99 pounds hide and is now uh laying underneath the picnic table as we uh, as we continue this podcast the uh the sky is growing darker by the way the uh Bugs are starting to come out, so we might have to take our uh, final break here. And when we come back, we'll get to some of your thoughts over the uh, last few weeks. Stick around. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Patents Do. Chlorine is not historically considered a chemical weapon. Remember that first. No, you use it in your pool. You do. Shut up. You do. You use it in your pool. Mm. How chemical can it be? (laughs) I mean, it's. And we found out it's not even what gives you red eyes when you go and uh, open your eyes underwater. Oh, really? What is it? P. What? P. Patents Do. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool. I'm your host, Cam Edwards. The email address, uh, if you'd like to chat, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. That's 40acrefool at gmail.com. CJ wrote in, says, first off, I just discovered your podcast today, and I love it. So you'd better be back early July, like you promised. I always uh, try to keep my words, CJ. CJ says, uh, secondly, I'm an 18-year-old guy just about to start freshman year of college, and I would have to say that the whiny, spineless attitude of others in my generation is on the list of the top five things that tick me off the most. CJ says, I've always admired those of my grandparents' generations who set their minds and hearts on the goal and worked for it until they succeeded. I'm definitely not going to be able to afford to pay for my college beforehand. Although I, unlike most of my generation, have put together a plan to succeed and pay off my loans as quickly as possible. Hopefully, I am not the only one. Thanks for being a voice 
for common sense, says uh, CJ. I look forward to catching up on your podcast uh, and to your book. CJ, first of all, thank you, sir. Congratulations on uh, graduating from high school, and good luck in college. Uh, I, I, I got to say, it is definitely, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was writing this book is that um, I didn't want to be the, the know-it-all uh, uh, guy in his now uh, 40s, but we don't have to talk about that. But I didn't want to be the, the, the know-it-all guy. Let me tell you how it used to be. Let me tell you how it is because I know how it used to be. Uh, the world has changed. It is different than when I was in college and when I was just out of college. Uh, those of you who are growing up and entering your early 20s right now, you know, things are challenging. They're more challenging than they were in the 1990s. Now, it doesn't mean that they are as challenging as they have ever been. Uh, it doesn't mean that things haven't been worse. It doesn't mean that they might not get better in the very near future, although I, I don't know. I think it might take a little bit more time than the very near future. But, you know, as CJ pointed out, there are things that you can do to sort of help um, inoculate yourself against the uh, the challenges that, that, frankly, you know, all of us face now in this uh, mobile economy, the gig economy, where the gigs can be kind of hard to find. I mean, you know, look, we, we do not live in the uh, best economic times that this nation has ever known. But uh, that is the life that we live, and that is the world that we have, and you have to do the best uh, that you can. So I, I, I do congratulate you, CJ, on uh, putting together a plan to succeed, to pay off your loans as quickly as possible, hopefully to, to make those loans as low as possible. Uh, to do what you can to try to offset that cost, whether it's through you know work study or ROTC or uh, scholarship opportunities, uh, you know it's 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 tough. But uh, good luck, and I, uh, I I wish you well. You know, as far as the uh, your grandparents' generation, um, I, I I assume that you are not talking about uh, baby boomers. Although maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe you're talking about the uh, the baby boomers who. Uh, set their minds and their hearts on a goal and worked for it until they succeeded. But uh, to me, that's much more the the silent generation, the greatest generation uh, attitude. Although the thing is, you know, you can certainly find that spirit, CJ, even among millennials. Uh, in fact, you're, you're evidence of this. You can find it uh, even on college campuses where we talk about the, the precious snowflakes uh, who, who seem to want to run away from life rather than uh, face its challenges head on, you can still find people who, a lot of people actually, who don't have that attitude. Uh, I do kind of worry that your generation, CJ, is going to be defined as a, a precious snowflake generation, just like my generation was defined as we were the slacker generation, right? Well, we weren't all slackers. Some of us were working uh, two jobs at a time, graveyard shift at Kmart as a stock boy overnight uh, and, and uh, as your main job, and then uh, working the graveyard shift at Hardee's as a cook on the weekends. Not all of us were slackers, and not every millennial uh, by far is a snowflake. But, uh, CJ, again, I, I think it's fantastic that you're tuning in. Would love to hear more about what you uh, are hoping to do after college as well as uh, what you're hoping to do. Uh, to help pay for college. And thanks again for uh, for writing in. 
Also, I heard from Jim the other day from uh, Oklahoma. Jim had written in to uh, NRA News Cam and Company, which, of course, you can hear each and every weekday live, 2 to 5 Eastern, on NRAnews.com, on demand all the time on iHeartRadio and through the NRA app. And, of course, Midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific on Sirius XM, Patriot 125. Uh, Jim wrote in, says, uh, I'm an NRA certified instructor in pistol, rifle, shotgun. I'm also a range safety officer. Jim says I teach the firearm safety classes. I have folks that shoot a lot and others that shoot very little, but we've maintained our safety and uh, thankfully have never had to deploy because of an escape to perform the uh, task that we have. He is uh, also part of the uh, dangerous animal response team, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Jim, by the way, says... uh, have a good day. Take care of the bacon seeds. And, uh, Jim, thank you, sir. I appreciate uh, you writing in. We are taking good care of the bacon seeds. They are getting bigger and uh, baconier by the day. I, so one of the things that has been really cool this year is that I've had a lot of people um, who have been very nice and generous, and they've they've given me a bacon calendar. There's There's a bacon calendar that's out there. And I have, I, seriously, I've had like five or six people just like send me a calendar and say I was out and about and thinking and saw this, thought of you, and and I just I think it's amazing. So thank you to everybody who's done that. I've I've, I, I've said that before, but thank you again. But uh, so the month has turned now, and we're in July, and the uh, the bacon calendar for the month of July features the Tamworth uh, hog, and that's. We've got, you know, a couple of American guinea hogs. Actually, we've got four American guinea hogs. But then we also have these Tamworth uh, Berkshire mix hogs. And I think they're three-quarters Tamworth, a quarter Berkshire. Uh, Tamworth were bred to be bacon hogs, I found out. Which means, to my mind anyway, that the bacon that we are soon to get from uh, the Tamworth Berkshire mix is going to be quite delicious. The American guinea hogs were fantastic as well. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually really curious, you know, uh, Miss E was here talking about uh, butchering the goat. I realize we didn't get too specific. That's that's probably okay. Uh, but Miss E also helped to butcher two hogs there that afternoon as well. So we do right now have some bacon curing uh, in our refrigerator. We've got a couple of hams that are curing in our refrigerator. We're not going to keep all of this. Uh, uh, Missy's doing this for uh, her friend Sharon, but Missy did get to take the jowl meat from the hog, and there is a special kind of Italian bacon made of hog jowls that we are making right now at our house, and so soon we will have a new and delicious kind of bacon to try as well. I'll be able to uh, give you a taste test about that in future episodes of 40 Acres and a Fool. In the meantime, the sun has nearly set, and I believe that I am going to go chase some fireflies with my daughter before bedtime. Thanks again for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. It's good to be back. It's good to have you with us, and we will uh, see you here soon. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. We'll see you here soon on 40 Acres and a Fool. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.